welcome back, Duncan, uh, to part two of our podcast, Human Eyes. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about predictions for 2024 from an HR, talent and business perspective. And then also, I think it'd be really nice for us to talk about 2023 and kind of our personal um, sort of experiences. It's been a tough year and I think it'd be really nice for us to talk about that and share that mm-hmm. more widely. So, Chris. Yes. 2023, how's mm-hmm. it been? Um, interesting, I was saying to Sarah off, offline, um, mm-hmm. we have just about exceeded our revenue from last year. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, going into Q4, I didn't think that was going to happen. So I think actually that leads quite nicely onto, I think Q, uh, 2024 is going to be much better. But mm-hmm. yeah, this year it feels like we've had to, um, I say work harder for our money. Um, I think in, in the previous couple of years, uh, mm-hmm. in our world, any startup world, well-funded, lots of hiring yeah. going on. Um, we could, I mean, candidates had the pick of four or five offers. Like mm-hmm. if they went through five or six interview processes, they would end up getting four or five offers. So if we're representing great candidates, it was actually relatively easy to mm. to make money. Yeah. Um, there's been lots out there about recruiters that joined the industry a couple of years ago mm. would have had a massive shock this year to actually you need to work hard. Oh, okay. Um, if you joined in 2020, 2021, even pandemic recruitment life was... The jobs were coming in. 100%. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's interesting speaking to lots of rec to rec firms. I think they're not even saying 2023 has been that hard. It's actually a bit more of a normal market for recruitment. Oh, it feels much harder because of how good the last uh-huh. couple of years have been. Mm. So um, yeah, revenue wise, we're going to exceed just. Um, I think we're really proud of that actually because... Mm-hmm. Um, I know lots of other recruitment businesses have a made redundancies. We haven't done yeah, that. We're actually plus that. one headcount, um, and yeah, beating last year's revenue, we should be we should be really proud of. Yeah, it's a great achievement. Yeah, yeah, no, thank really you. Really good. How about you? Um, it's been yeah, so it's been a different year for us. So I think it's the first year in the sort of like five five and a half years that we've um, run the consultancy where new business hasn't come in quite as quickly as it as it has yeah. always done. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking to people, we're not doing anything differently, but what we're, I think what we're seeing is people a lot slower to respond, kind of come and talk to you, take the information, but are going away and taking quite a long time to make decisions yeah. about where they put their money um, and whether that spend's going to be with us, they're not going to spend on HR, they're going to do something different. So I think we've not really experienced that. We've grown phenomenally uh, well, sort of 30% year on year um, since we started the consultancy. And this year feels... Mm-hmm. Um, Harder, I yeah. think, like you said, it, it just has felt hard. feel like you're working really hard for every new bit of business that comes in. I feel like it's a really, like a, um, I guess more. I don't want to say sales, but I feel I'm working harder in those conversations to convince people that it's a really good decision mm. to invest in HR in your business because this will um, give you a competitive advantage in the long term. So yeah. I feel like I'm having to kind of talk about that in a slightly different way and a little bit more, um, try and convince people. So I think. That's that's been challenging. Bear in mind that the footprint that we have, which mm. is biotech, tech, and games, mm-hmm. is really, really taking yeah. a hit. Yeah, over the largely last... gaming and massive. Tech, Absolutely, right? biotech not so much. No, guess, interestingly, from... because mm. of uh, the funds yeah. that yeah. that uh, small biotechs are, are getting, they've they've reduced income yeah. in terms of uh, the amount of investment that people are getting at ser- Series A and Series B. Mm-hmm. And yeah. were you affected? Um, sorry to jump in. Were you affected at all by the? I know you deal with startups. Like, were mm. you affected by the Silicon Valley Bank situation? Because I know that we we were. <laughs> like, we had companies who had planned to yeah. raise X number of million Series A, didn't, 
Um, mm. We also have companies who yeah. were going to raise this year and actually valuations of their businesses dropped. Yeah, massively. And that's why they've yes. not raised because they're yeah. going to dilute the, the equity, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we have a few clients who, yeah, good cash runways. They've not raised this year, which has yeah. slowed hiring plans down. However, they've assured us that next year they're going to go and raise and, and things are going to really pick up again. Indirect, yeah. Indirectly, yes. Okay. Yes, we were. We, yeah, we were. yeah, yeah. So am, am I understanding that. correctly what you just said in terms of the because of that difficulty or, or that slowdown in funding for, for, for your biotech clients, yeah. it's actually been bene slightly beneficial for your business because there's more HR issues to manage? Is, is that... No, no, we're not. So what they're having to... Re because the investment that's coming in is lower... The investment outside of business as usual, making sure that we're focused on the product and that we've got key staff that can work on those core products, they are not investing in support. So okay. so we obviously fall into that. Yeah. It, it is seen as... It's a new business impact yeah. that that's having. Yes. And then the loss. So we have, ha have sadly, have had some clients that haven't survived. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's been very different for us. We've had clients that have reduced in size, which does produce work for us in a kind of a Less weird nice kind of way. Not the work we like to do, but this absolutely necessary work for a business of right size to put themselves in a good financial position for growth coming yeah. and investment coming in. But we've definitely, I think that's impacted our new business mm. yes. because that investment coming into the biotechs and the game, and I mean the games industry, it's been tough. We've, mm. We have really seen lots close. of um, redundancies and I, you know, personally know people that have been made redundant, moving to different places and, and that's been really tough to watch. But I, one of our clients, I was um, spoke to him at the beginning of the year and he had gone to Montreal for a games um, conference and he came back and we had our general one-to-one. -one. He's a co-founder of a small business. And, he, and I was saying, oh, how was, how, how was it? What was, what was the message? And he said, it's a right-sizing of the games industry mm -hmm. this year. And those were the words he used right at the beginning of the year. And he started to right-size his business at that point. And I thought, oh, I wonder what that is going to look like. Mm. And we've seen it. We've seen. What do you mean by right sizing? So cutting back, cutting back, okay. shrinking. Investment is not there. There was okay. loads of investment during the pandemic in really tiny studios okay. with ideas about bringing new games to the market, and those a lot of those unfortunately haven't yeah. kind of survived. Yeah. Perversely, and I'm just being very honest. Some of those businesses go in, creates more opportunity for other businesses. Recruitment has said right. the same thing. An like, it I is want... a perverse way of looking yeah, at 100%. it, but it is reality and it's a commercial reality that, that, that there is. But yeah, so it's been, yeah, so I just think it's just been a, it's been a challenging year. It's yeah. not, it has been tough. So it hasn't felt the same. And I know that's an emotion. Yeah. We've been talking very logical, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. it hasn't felt the same this yeah. year, definitely. And, and just to pick up on something you said, I've heard the same that more established uh, recruitment agencies have said that actually sometimes they welcome mm -hmm. a recession. Uh, they might right size their business a term mm -hmm. I've just picked up from you in terms of the not so high performers may get let go or if you're underperforming but would have kept your job in a better market yeah. they get let go but actually harder like times in the economy can um, I guess smaller recruitment companies might not be able to stay afloat yeah. and actually mm -hmm. that means there's yeah. more market share for, for the bigger more established ones and yeah I'd never thought about that until I last worked in agency and, and one of the directors said like we don't mind a, a, a slight recession actually because it, it kills off the smaller businesses and it sounds yeah. brutal. But, you've, but do you not think, though, resilience comes to play? Sarah and I, we've had mm. this conversation Huge. and it's like, we just need to hold fast. Cause, how, cause you run your business. how you run your business, mm. right? And something I'm really proud of is like, we've always tried to run, uh, um, contrary to popular belief about recruitment business owners, like don't drive around in a 
Ferrari and live in a, a <laughs> mansion. You? Like we we've tried to run the business responsibly in terms of like up to six months cash in the bank at any given time, so that we can look after our team if, if yep. those times do mm-hmm. happen. And I'm actually really proud of the fact that we haven't scaled down because uh, I know lots of agencies would have, to your point, mm. overspent and actually just gone and made a load of redundancies and kind of not taken people's feelings into consideration. I guess. Um, I don't know if it's feelings. I think it is about. And this is an interesting one, particularly in this market, is how long do you hold fast yeah. for? And when do you make the critical yeah. decisions? You have to make decisions at some point, right? Um, and, you know, we, unfortunately, as Lisa said, we've had to close some of the clients that we've worked with. And, and we've been through that pain with them in terms of how long do you leave it before you have mm. to make that critical decision mm. so it doesn't impact the people that you are going to have to let go. Not because yeah. you want to, just because of the economic reality of yeah. the situation. We've seen it done really well and we've seen it done badly but because emotions were involved. Yeah. So it's, you know, it is a reality mm. of where we are at the moment. Yeah. We deal with it day in, day out. Mm-hmm. It's all over the news. Um, so it has, it look universally for, for us, I'd be interested to, to get your view, Duncan. It has, it's been a tough year, but there are lessons in it in terms yeah. of yeah, always holding fast. Yeah, oh, We've always. kept the team. Yeah. We've reinvested internally, but interested to hear your view in terms yeah, of 2023. So equally, equally as tough. Mm. Um, I would say I actually didn't realize how tough 2023 was going to be in January. I heard lots of things and Mm. I read a lot of information back in January and I thought, okay, I can see Q1 and Q2 being difficult. Yeah. Um, Probably like you guys, I live my life three, three months at a time because Mm -hmm. our our business, our financial management of the business is, is run by quarters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like each quarter this year, has got harder and harder and harder mm-hmm. and the bar's been raised. And the difficulty is things seem to change not only internally in industry and in business mm-hmm. on a monthly basis, but they also seem to change in our economic or our political yeah, environment every do. month. Absolutely. And going back to our kind of first part of this podcast, if you if you if there's uncertainty, that then yeah. has a huge knock-on effect on lo- lots and lots of things. Mm. But as you said, decision-making, mm-hmm. first of all, slows yeah. down. So yeah, when someone's uncertain, they take much longer to make a decision, which has a knock-on effect on sales authorizations in any business. Yeah. And then that has a knock-on effect on revenue generation, yeah. which has a knock-on effect on profitability. So when you talk about right-sizing, and, and the, the kind of question was, was, was talked about there, what do you mean by right-sizing? Mm. So if you've got, a particular size business with a number of resources and those resources are generating a certain amount of sales authorizations which transfer into revenue and profitability if you're not hitting those sales revenue yeah. and profitability target but you still have the same amount of resources yeah you're obviously going to reduce your profitability mm-hmm. and your revenue yeah. so in order to ensure the business is sustainable one of the things you can do is obviously to make sure that those resources are correct Yep. and can can match those sales authorizations and therefore you can actually start to try and maximize or make that revenue generation more efficient and that that's what's really hard because things have like i said things have changed almost on a monthly basis this year yeah yeah, yeah. so it's very difficult to predict okay if i do this is this going to have the effect i mm. want in two months or three months or even six months time mm. yeah. and i think that's that's been really hard for us and I guess in, um, I assume we're quite similar in terms of Evolve and CT19, but what does a typical sales cycle look like for you? I, when, how long does it long take for you take? to engage with mm. a prospective client to actually, that to hit the, the bottom line? It's a very difficult question to answer with a, with a finite 
time frame it, it depends on obviously what the the customer is looking for and what the solution is mm. um i would say anywhere between two or three months to six to eight months depending on on the value and on the mm-hmm. on yeah. the complexity of what it is I, I would say it my experience is consistent with what you've just discussed that things are definitely taking longer yeah. in this situation and actually i think there's also an element of we are also suffering a little bit from the fallout from the pandemic and this has been yeah. talked about oh, a yeah. lot definitely but i think the world we live in now and it's something sarah you and i were talking about mm. is that in the world that we live in we probably have three or four calls on mm. teams or, or on some kind of of platform with our with our customers Whereas going back three years ago, you probably would have had one or two meetings yeah. and covered all of those yeah. things yeah. you covered in multiple calls in one go mm-hmm. and made a decision. And that's true. That's true in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think w- we see different things. So you were talking about your your customer base. Yeah. We also work quite a lot with biotech companies. Our, our certainly our our sales authorizations have decreased in our biotech customers slightly. Yeah linked to the fact that there's less investment so obviously they cannot spend as much money on on their development Mm. portfolio there's kind of for us there's three buckets of biotech and i would kind of describe them in in three different ways so there's category one who are actually in in the funding series and they want to develop an asset to a particular stage of the development life cycle Mm -hmm. and then sell that asset yeah and that's that's their sole purpose so it's a Essentially, it could be private equity backed or investment sure. backed in some mm-hmm. way. And, and that's the kind of return on that backing. Mm-hmm. The second category is similar, but actually they want to take their asset perhaps a little bit further in the development lifecycle and partner with someone yeah. who can then be either a co-investor or help them commercialize that product mm-hmm. yeah, to mm-hmm. market. And then you have a biotech or a small, medium-sized pharma company who's had some success in mm-hmm. particular markets and they actually have the experience and the ability to take a product from lab all the way, all the way through, through to on the market. Yeah. So, and you can have biotechs in all three of those of spaces. Yeah. Um, and they're different challenges in, yeah. in each, uh, but definitely, definitely a tough year. How has your team performed generally if we just talk about revenue specifically versus 2022? Revenue has been harder to meet the, the projections that we set in 2022. Um, sales authorizations, actually, we've, we're, we're, we're tracking really well. Mm-hmm. this year and that means like contract signed like looking to engage correct yeah, yeah. contract value of of new mm. business okay mm. um we're, we're actually pretty much on target for what, what, for what we set back in 2022 and that's been just an adjustment of trying to be really creative in the way we generate that business working really hard with the, the, the actual scientific research teams who are delivering mm-hmm. for our clients working really hard with them to make sure we can can find the right opportunity um but revenue has definitely been harder to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the case for, for everybody. Costs costs are increasing. Absolutely. You know, the cost of everything that is increasing. Lack for, of predictability to your yeah, point, right? Completely. It's so hard to know. You know, the costs are going up and then this happens and then, you know, there's a change of government, there's a new prime minister and the interest rates go again. It's mm. And we see that constantly back to the decision-making process taking longer, which is, Things are going smoothly and then mm-hmm. something there's happens a in the economy. Yeah. There's yeah. a hiatus that might pick back up again mm-hmm. in a couple of months. It's, you can just see it. It's, it's you see it in your personal life. Yeah, of course you yeah, do. Yeah. It's yeah. difficult. You know, for any predict. of us who've renegotiated a mortgage, mortgage this year, that was a very <laughs> yeah. painful exactly. situation. Or tried to get a second-hand car. <laughs> or, you know, it's 
it's a difficult, generally a difficult environment to navigate either personally or, or professionally from business perspective. So I'm truly hoping <laughs> moving swiftly on to 2024. Yeah. Yeah, that it is that, better. That it will be a different, I'm not going to say better. <laughs> I hope it does get easier. That I hope it will be a different year. Yeah, but just, just thinking about, I mean, we've talked very much about business and 2023, but we also certainly run businesses with people that we are close to and value as well. And we can see it's really tough for them as well. Mm. And I think that's been quite hard because the business is struggling. Yeah. So maybe can't be quite as generous as it would normally want to be yeah. financially. And your team, you know, are struggling financially as well. Mm -hmm. And that's quite a difficult, I think, balancing act to get and what to do and how to support the team and make sure that they feel heard, cared about, and kind of you've got your arms it's, around them and supporting them, but you know that this is a difficult time. It's communication. Again, yeah, right? definitely. And you and I have talked about, um, I'm very, very open with the team. Like we share if we've had a really good quarter or good year in terms of yeah. like profit margins. And also like, therefore, I think the flip side of that is the team should also be aware. Like if we are going to lose money this quarter, like I want the team to be aware, not yeah. from a scaremongering perspective, but just like, just so you know, guys, mm -hmm. like there might not be a Christmas bonus this year or, pay rises aren't going to be as nice as they've been for the last couple mm -hmm. of years. This is me being very transparent with you. I was going to say transparency. You, you, you can't have the yep. the positive side of that without having the the like mm -hmm. less nice side of that, in my opinion. And that also sets expectations for some businesses where they're not transparent about the challenges that they're facing. And in the background, the decline is quite severe. Yeah. And they're talking Shock. positive messages. Mm. And then the next message yeah, is, redundancy. thank See you very later. much, everybody. <laughs> We're now going to be making 50% of the business redundant. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. And people get quite angry about the fact, well, why didn't you just don't give us a heads up? But you could have at least told us something was going on. And yeah. I think it's very, very difficult for people to process that then because they feel that there's been no honesty and no and the trust is is kind of gone at that point. Mm -hmm. It's actually something you and I have, have talked about a little bit, as you said earlier, offline. So I think what I've definitely seen this year is when pressure increases in a, in a business situation or things become harder mm -hmm. human nature seems to seems to make us behave in a less effective way mm -hmm. so at the moment where we need the support of our colleagues and, and the people mm -hmm. around us actually what we tend to do in a pressure situation is our communication tends to become worse mm -hmm. yeah so okay. our communication is either shorter or it comes across as more Snippier. aggressive yeah. Bit yeah snippy yeah yeah because we're under pressure <laughs> yeah and actually what that does is then doesn't elicit the help and the support that you need from somebody to try and address the situation or the challenge that you're facing. And that I've worked really hard with my team this year. So if you're seeing this reaction or this behavior from someone, stop and think. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, what's going on in their world? What's going on in their life? Don't take that personally to you, mm -hmm. but try even harder to be slightly more emotionally aware and and don't come back in the don't don't respond in the same way because yeah. that's not that's not going to help either of mm. of the parties mm -hmm. and i think that's been really really well received by by the team but also by by some of some of our business partners they they feel like we're actually trying to 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 help them find a solution to that challenge rather than than just a transactional relationship we're on the same team right and like mm. a conversation we've had before like by as if i speak about myself from a recruitment perspective like if i talk to my team about like metrics and like reasons why we need to do x y and z mm -hmm. like they are going to benefit from that as well totally. right we're a 
we obviously people have basic salaries, but they're commission focused. So it's it's about that why I'm asking you to do this because of yeah, we had. Um, I've got a client I was working with yesterday, interestingly, and thinking about your comment, there's um, something that we're trending called the strength deployment inventory. Um, when you're in conflict or under pressure, it's like an inverted triangle. Yeah. I don't know if you know, but it's, you know, when, when everything is going relatively well, it's, and you're thinking about a problem, it's you think with yourself, others, and the problem in mind. Mm -hmm. And then as the pressure increases, you go to yourself and the problem. Yeah. So that communication piece disappears. And then in the worst space, it's you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you lose that ability as the pressure increases yeah. and you go into your own personal conflict. But if you think about that in relation to teams, to your point, it's remembering that others. <laughs> yeah. Because it's so easy because we were talking about a particular individual and we couldn't quite work out why, back to the vision piece, this individual was performing out of their skin, but their immediate reports weren't able, weren't connecting with that. Yeah. They had a very different view of that vision. So I was just thinking of that inverted triangle, thinking about the conflict and and the, losing the vision piece mm. they've got the vision is here completely but it hasn't been shared yeah. to your point on the why and given all those things we've we've yeah. talked about the, the other factor in we've, we've talked about this a little bit but the other factor is pe people are doing doing a job but they also have have a personal life yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. you knows what's going on there right i think there's a, there's a famous quote i think it's from from robin williams that yeah everybody you meet mm. has something going on in their life that you know nothing about yes yeah. mm -hmm. mm, and yes. and actually mm -hmm. that's an amazing view for us to take into mm -hmm. to the workplace mm -hmm. now it would solve quite so a lot of conflicts i know at, i know you're times. quite right yeah. um perceptions assumptions it's all of that stuff isn't it yeah people react in a certain way and, and there's lots mm. of lots of factors that that make that happen mm. it's interesting that bit actually thinking about that kind of what happens with communication i wonder whether it's because your energy is directed to i feel like oh, the problem is going to sound really weird but the body will direct all of its resources to the place it needs the place it needs it most so in that moment you're under pressure so actually are you just mentally directing all of your kind of effort and energy to the place what you perceive to be yeah. the biggest problem and where your energy needs, like the lifeline piece. And other people, if they can't help you, they're not invited to this. Mm. That's energy I don't need. I don't need to talk to them about it. I just need to solve this That's problem. you lose the team there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. And I can yeah. do that. Like, I am that person that definitely does that. I recognise that in myself. I'll go into myself. I'll stop speaking because I need to resolve We're naturally this. It's funny, way. isn't it? Mm. But I just wonder, like, is it? It's probably because you see all of this is superfluous to what you need yeah big words me and my words again <laughs> wow <laughs> to what you actually think you need yes to resolve well i think the point is your vision gets narrower yeah so you start here mm. and then you go to here and then yeah you go and then to you're just yeah. head down it's the self-protection of course yes yeah. yeah just an interesting just an interesting point so 2023 then how do we wrap that up in one word goodbye <laughs> <laughs> Sayonara. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> I'll certainly be relieved. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. And I think year. the whole working world feels that way. I think you can just get a sense. Like we talked about it. We talked about it. Like I'm sure people in yeah, other clients. industries and sectors yeah, are, yeah. are just like, it's been hard. Um, if you survived, yeah. If yeah, you survived, on. well done. If you've grown, amazing. Yeah. If you've lost money this year or because loads of businesses would have lost yeah. money this year. Like I, I know that for a fact. Um, if you've lost money but survived and you're still here, like you should still be slightly proud of the fact that you're still here so yeah let's move on yeah 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 tough i think would be my my word for it so 2024 predictions for 2024 so 
Uh, from an HR perspective, what do we think they're going to be? What are people going to be focused on from a people perspective? And mm-hmm. certainly recruitment and talent will be a big part of that. And then Duncan, I just think it's quite nice for you to give a little bit of a sort of a perspective around the bigger business and kind of what that looks like for the future. What prediction? What do you think they're going to be focused Beans, on trends. in 2024? From Gosh, a- that's a big ask. No, yeah. Good question. We won't start with you. We'll start with Chris. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, to what Duncan mentioned earlier, like we're always thinking, like, I guess as a business owner, like I'm thinking six months in advance almost. Like if I think about recruitment and notice periods, are we going to do any more deals, have any more contracts signed to start in January? Maybe not now. Like December is a quieter time for interviewing yeah. people take leave. So I'm already thinking from a cash flow perspective, like January's what I'm going to invoice in January is probably done um can we impact february and march like yes we we probably can um i'm feeling really positive about 2024 we have um like i say clients who maybe have deferred funding rounds this year Mm -hmm. because they haven't been able to or wouldn't raise as much money as they wanted to have said we're going to go and do x y and z in q2 next year for example i do think it's going to be slower i predict q3 and q4 will be very good from a from a um uh revenue perspective I think Q1 and Q2 will be harder, but should still be more positive. For... Green shoots. Yeah, and I think we're seeing that now. Like we've yeah, um, I think we are. engaged with a couple of companies in Cambridge who have just announced Series A funding and we're working with them. So um, yeah, there's definitely more positivity out there. And a, a good, we've talked about this before actually, but a good barometer for um, the economy in general are recruitment businesses and mm, listening. True. Because if a recruitment business is hiring, that means that their clients are hiring. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, a rector yeah, I follow in on LinkedIn cases. is saying that they're, they're seeing a massive uplift in agencies looking to hire multiple staff right now. So yeah, I think we can all take some confidence about 2024. I think what the, the danger is for, for me, and this is, I, I, please don't take this as a negative comment. I don't mean this to come across in, in that way, but the danger is a kind of yo-yo effect mm. because what I would love to be able to sit here and predict for 2024 would be more consistency and more stability. No. I, I don't know whether I can. I don't no. know whether I honestly don't know whether I can. But I think we've got to be careful that because things become a little bit more positive or perhaps change in a positive way, mm. we, we, the, the key, I think, for certainly as I, I think about managing a team, I just want to make sure they feel stable mm. and the environment they're working in is as stable as it can possibly be mm-hmm. for, for them. And I don't want us or, or, or any business to kind of jump too far too quickly and then have to kind of think about that whole thing about right sizing or, yeah. or kind of, you know. Gone too far. Now you yeah. cut back again. But yeah. I, think, I think companies hopefully will have learned their lessons if they have overhired per se in, in good markets to actually be slightly more cautious. So you'd like to think that that, that wouldn't happen. And, and I guess what, I, what I'm kind of getting out there is not maybe so much hiring, but when, when we think about financial planning and we think about, okay, what are we planning for in, in 2024? What, what would a good, what would a really good performance year look like in 2024, given the context of what we've just discussed about yeah. 2023? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's different. That's definitely that view on, on mm. what does a good performance look like mm. has changed drastically from 2020, 2021, 22, 23, like yeah. each year has been yeah, yeah. different perspective, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. challenges. Mm-hmm. And it, it's something I talked about to our business leadership team. When we think about percentage growth year on year, mm-hmm. would we take a slightly, or would we consider projecting or aiming for a slightly smaller percentage mm-hmm. of business growth in mm-hmm. terms of overall 
sales, revenue, and profitability at the benefit of creating a more stable environment for our teams. Yeah. Because the the challenge, particularly for business leadership and businesses that have to report their figures to investors or stock markets, having not had a, a wonderful 2022 or 2023, the tendency is to is to push extra hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To try and, and make and up what, for lost ground. At what cost? Yeah, at what yeah, cost yeah, do yeah. you you do that? So I think that's something that's in, in definitely been in my mind a little bit for 2024. How about you two from a HR perspective? I guess, oh. yeah, it's lots, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think like, like part of the fact we are also small business mm. owners and completely relate to, to what you're saying in terms of how we think about financial planning for next year. It will be very much along those lines. Being used to a high percentage growth does definitively not mean that's going to happen next year. Yeah. Um, I mean, we kind of do deal in key themes, don't we? So mm. I think for us, in terms of what we're seeing, AI is is going to be a, a huge part of 2024 and beyond. Um, how it's used in businesses, mm. how we regulate it, so to speak, mm -hmm. what the challenges are, what the positives and benefits are, and how we try and get ahead of that. That's a kind of a, been a big yeah, piece for definitely us, for our it? clients as well. I yeah. think, and obviously, Chris, we're going to be doing a an event in January where we're going to talk about AI and the political environment around it because there yep. was the summit. Um, and I think people are fearful. And I think there's a bit of a narrative now that started, which is, oh, it's going to take people's jobs. Everybody's going to lose their job because AI is going to take over. Well, they're not. That isn't going to happen. Scaremongering. Yeah, sure. absolutely. But it can improve what you do. It can yeah. make you more... How can we harness it? It make you much more effective, more efficient. Mm -hmm. And we should embrace that because then does it not just give us the time to do the things that we actually enjoy doing yeah. rather than sitting there for five hours trying to write a presentation for something. You just, you're stuck in your own brain and you can't put the words together. Whereas you can put a few keywords into a, into a re regenerative AI tool mm -hmm. and it can just give you that idea at the beginning and you're like, oh, I'm off. But then I can if, do this now. If you think about some of the other industries you work with, it has a much bigger impact. So the oh, animation definitely. industry as a great example. Yeah. Um, I work with an animation company and that is coming fast yeah. over the horizon and significant impact in terms of what that yeah. means for their business. Yeah, Same with the music industry. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, you know, it's going to be an ever-evolving... Really interesting. Yeah, ever-evolving. Really do you think that will improve decision time? And we've talked a little bit we about have. decision timelines. Do you yeah. think in the future that AI has the ability to make people have greater confidence in the decision they're making faster? I think it depends on the industry that you work within. Um, I mean, personally, yes, I do. But I think the way that we will use AI as, a, as an HR consultant would be very clearly very different mm. to, you know, I'm going to reflect back to the animation because I've been talking to my client and, and it's, you know, they're, they're feeling very strongly that it isn't yeah. a positive thing for them. Well, I'll give you an example of where yeah, I was going in my head. So, um, let me relate it to something in real life. So, so um, Google Maps or, yes. or your iPhone, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the the the, um, the app, or yes. you know that you would use to, to track traffic. Yeah. Even ways something like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you put in a, a destination, and it tells you yeah, how long it's going to take to do yeah. that mm -hmm. using using AI. Yeah. I've made a decision. Do I make that journey now, or, or, do, or I, do I do I wait till yeah. till later? Yeah. Um, yes. I, I think yeah, that yeah. that's so for me. That's the piece yeah. of AI I really yeah. I really yeah. like. That's yeah, what. Yeah. Real-time data, yeah. real-time decision. And I guess the, the replacing th something that a craft, mm -hmm. as an example, whatever that happens to be, um, is a very different yep. perspective, isn't it? And, oh, I, yeah. and I think it's navigating mm -hmm. the brilliance of AI and, and the importance and 
the positivity around it with with the flip side the balance yeah yeah Mm. so i think i mean we're talking about it now but i think (laughs) from from a 2024 perspective that conversation is going to move quick we'll continue and pick up speed so that's there's definitely lots of pros like if i think about um i don't have the exact example but there's a a computer for example looked for a load of like doctor's notes or images and was able to diagnose um a tumor for example like or a cancerous tumor at way more like at speed that a doctor couldn't do and at accuracy that a doctor couldn't a doctor couldn't do that's amazing that's amazing that's just amazing isn't it a hundred percent so yeah lots of positives but i also see yeah yeah definitely challenges yeah and it's not regulated though right like i listen to a no, podcast and like, that's probably the fear that travels with it it's coming it's coming fast people are using it businesses are using it mm-hmm. yeah. people in their businesses are using it and actually we? where's the data going yeah. you're putting this into a tool is that tool protected is your company yeah. data suddenly going into the well, ether like there's lots and lots of stuff that needs to be thought about mm. in terms of and that's why they had the summit right the, mm-hmm. the politicians talking about it and elon musk who's big brain and everything so that's why they're talking about it because they can see it coming it's coming really quickly and people are already because some people love anything that's new don't they and they're using it and they're trying it out and we see negative yeah i mean if i was a business that, that had IP, positive so one of the yeah. companies i worked with in, a, in yeah. london on a retained yeah, basis yeah. so and, and they sent a message out which was very clear was like you do not put any code yes that you've into. Written into like chat gpt for example because yeah. like it's Where's not it regulated. Going? No one knows where it's going. So <laughs> mm-hmm. if I was a business owner that had, if my business was fundamentally based on a piece of IP, I probably would be quite nervous about yeah, using it. for now, until you know more. A hundred percent. Has ChatGPT written some compelling job adverts for us that I wouldn't have been able to write? <laughs> yes. yes, it has. And actually, like, it's interesting. We've done that with clients and they'd be like, oh, can you help us with this job description adverts? And it's like, yeah, 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 I can do that for you. I'm like, Quite easy they could do that themselves and like that's been me, me being really honest um, yeah this but it's true. better than what we can do so yeah there's some positives for sure my son's recently gone to university and he used chat gbt to revise for his first module of exams because the way <clears throat> the exam is configured is it's multiple choice mm-hmm. so they give you 25 questions and i think there's you know i don't know how many different configurations of of the questions yeah. that you could possibly get but they'll then give you a series of possible answers. And some of the answers are very, very similar, if not almost identical, but with a slight nuance in them. And he has 90 seconds to make an answer. Wow. So the, the whole exam is timed. <clears throat> and once so you actually make, seeing those. If it, and, and that's yeah. the way the exams are designed. So if yeah, you don't, yeah, if you yeah, don't know the answer, he's, he's free to use answer. Google and he's free of to course. use all of these, these resources. But if you don't know, you can't you find the right answer in 90 in seconds. No. <clears throat> so what he did is he actually put... A, a series of algorithms into into ChatGPT to generate questions. So then he could so practice oh. questions, which were lifelike. So he would give himself multiple choice so questions on the same module. Positive. Yeah, yeah. Really think that's a yeah. Clever, really clever way to use you look it. At the flip side, my daughter, who's thirteen, some of her school friends have been using it to write essays. To write essays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Which but you then you have all of that the plagiarism stuff, ahead don't of you? It, yeah. And they've said, yeah. oh, look, I'm sorry, but yeah. I know damn Guys. well what you've answered <laughs> and what you've stuck into it. So it does it differently. The language is different. Yeah. And At they university, don't realise that. that. When, they, when they submit an essay, right? yeah, it, it yeah. actually goes through an AI yes, generated yeah, source. Yeah, there's I think it has to be under six. I think, I think Harrison was telling me it's 16%. Uh, the maximum they can have is 16% as a plagiarism score. 
Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the maximum they'll allow for a submission of of, a, of an article. You think or, it should be zero? I say. But well, maybe but I guess the world, the world yeah. is different. You have to, I guess you have to research some of the yeah, content, yeah, so you're bound to see something. And you're going to use some of those new those, those sort of terminology for that. So exactly. Look, when the you're way citing that you're publications, you are right? yeah. 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 You reference stuff. But interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to run. So what else? In 2024. Change management. What does that mean? So I think that we have as, and I think it's a very HR people function um, challenge and consideration. So with the pandemic, we had enforced change at speed Mm. and we had to try and navigate the communication, support people. And I think that has definitely had an impact on people's ability to cope with change. We've come back into the workplace and we're changing all of the time now. Pace, mm-hmm. The pace of change has always been quite quick for a lot of businesses. But I think the pace is really up, it's up the ante because we're, we're now coming into, we're in 2023. It's all changed. It's all difficult. It's a difficult year. So we're changing this. We're trying that. And I think we could possibly see in 2024, the pace will continue mm-hmm. and we will see change fatigue in our people. Mm-hmm. where they're just so exhausted by having to keep changing direction, changing thought, changing what they're doing, the way they're doing it. AI is going to be another change. So they're going to have to think about that and how they use it. So I do think that for HR professionals, we need to have a finger on the pulse in terms of change fatigue, but we probably will need to communicate change in a very different way than we've ever communicated it before mm-hmm. and not make it, I don't know if you can, Make, not make a change feel like a change yeah. but I feel that's a challenge that we have is to make it feel different and not feel put on them and that it's another change I'd, so I think for me that's going to be something we'll see in 2024 and lots of that pivoting and changing direction actually relates it's to exhausting what, yeah but I also think it relates to it being a tougher year oh, 100% and like feedback I've had from our 100%. team and I, t- I hold my hands up like we have made some decisions where it's like okay now I need you to report on this because we're not getting the results and people have said like well Last month it was this report and this now month it's, it's this report. Like, make your mind up, Chris. Like, so yeah, I get it, and I think I've definitely mm. been guilty of. And that's where I said earlier about stability. Yeah, yeah lo- I would love. It's, I mean, it's the same thing. I think we're talking, you know, the same in the same in the same situation there. I think that's. I would love to, to be able to predict that that's the case. Yeah, nice. but I mean, also in a commercial role, like, how much stability do you get in sales? Like, there's always going to be peaks and troughs in, in a sales process. Like. That can be unsettling for people. You have a good month, you have a bad month, you have a good quarter, mm, bad quarter. But the pressure that you put people under doesn't need to be... No, that can remain yeah, consistent. It's, it's, I think, to, I mean, to pick up on something you said, Lisa, I think what's really interesting is there's there's a, there's lots of, of different elements of change, change management. And one thing that I see quite a lot, in particularly in our industry, is things change and the communication is not necessarily the the messaging behind the change is is something that i don't think is is managed mm-hmm. quite in the right way so there are certain people in the organization that know why something has changed mm-hmm. you've made an acquisition or you've changed your branding or you've changed your name right and and individuals in that organization can explain to each other or explain at a very high level why that change has happened your customers have a very different perspective on what they see from that change. Mm-hmm. So if you think about perspective, I remember somebody, somebody once, I, you know, I, I said to someone old, old fashioned saying, there's, oh, there's always, there's always two sides mm-hmm. to every story. And that person said to me, well, actually Duncan, I think there's four sides to every story. 
And I said, well, I've never heard that before. Tell, like, tell me what you mean. And she said, well, there's your view. There's my view. There's someone else's perspective on the situation that we have between us. And she said, and there's the actual truth of the situation. Yeah, mm. that's quite often different. Which, which is, a, <laughs> and it, cha- it, cha- it definitely changed my way of thinking. Mm. And so when I think about what, what you said, what I see is, yeah, you change something, but actually think about the messaging. When mm. your client mm. asks you, why has that changed? Yep. Mm. That, that messaging around why it's changed is really, really important. Definitely. So to have that story and to have a consistent story that people in your organization can share yes. and feel confident and comfortable mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that, that we're personally personally going through. We went through a big acquisition two, two years ago, nearly two and a half years ago, and we've got several brands in our business. That communicate, that messaging and that understanding of sharing a clear message internally and externally, really, really important. Mm. How about the, uh, and I know you work completely remotely and have done for some time, um, do you think there's going to be, a, and I've seen it from some recruitment businesses, a shift on returning to the office mm-hmm. on more of a full-time basis? Because it's, it's an interesting <laughs> one. I think some businesses saying like, COVID, you know, COVID's done, the pandemic's done. Like, Everyone back come in, back. back. Get in to office. the office. Um, <laughs> if they haven't obviously got out of their office lease because they couldn't afford it anymore and they yeah, no I mean, longer have an office yeah, what, space. What are, I know my views, but yeah, what are your what are your clients saying? What do you What do you feel like you're experiencing on that note? I think our clients, well, I mean, I don't obviously work with all of Sarah's and don't work with, but I think what we're hearing is a lot of them are still doing hybrid. Mm-hmm. Not many of them are enforcing a return wholesale no. into the office space. However, their challenge probably is, and this is like one of my predictions as well for 2024 because it feeds into it a little bit, is culture. Mm-hmm. So the traditional ecosystem for an employee is to go to the office, build relationships, have mm-hmm. a little chit-chat at the coffee machine, especially when you're new. Yeah. And actually, I think more from the perspective of people coming from university into their first job, they build really important yeah. relationships at that stage in their life, their friends, they go out socialising and drinking. That is actually quite difficult to do, even if we, we, I mean, we must have been the most creative country in the world in how can you (laughs) reconvene the office gossip, chit chat, coffee, like (laughs) ever known to man. Yeah. Not quite. It's not the same. It's not quite the same and it hasn't worked as well. So I think some businesses are seeing a loss of the ecosystem for their biz- for their people because they're hybrid and they're working remotely. Mm. So I think some of them feel that that is a loss of competitive advantage for them. Yeah. So therefore their view is like, let's bring everybody back in. But I think they're probably good. They're maybe uh, leaning too far the other way mm-hmm. to think they can fix it that way. So I definitely think that it will be a really interesting year around that hybrid remote working what's going to work what's not going to work because some people absolutely love working from home and are stellar at it and absolutely don't really want to be talking to everybody else they want their head down they want their peace and quiet they want to do their call when they want to do their call they will know it's going to be half an hour and then they can get on like so for them to then go back into an environment where it's full of people Mm. that'll be really difficult so those people then will look for businesses that aren't enforcing that so we're going to see a shift of talent i think driven by that yeah it's hard, and I think some of it comes down to it depends on what industry you're in. Yeah. Um, I think it's also depends on how you can measure someone's performance because for sure there will be some businesses who say you can't work from home full time because, like, I won't tell you these words, but frankly, I don't trust you. So, but then I that's the problem with the business I, and I the agree, culture but and how the do trust. You, measure, you have to measure performance, right? In some way, irrespective of what job you have, whether it's sales and you've got a you need number, to deliver. You have to deliver. So, yeah. if you're working <laughs> on a marketing project, for example, for like six, eight, 12 weeks, there might be an end 
goal and deadline you have to meet. But how are you measuring someone's performance on a weekly, monthly basis within Do that project? Do you have to measure on a weekly, monthly basis? I though? think you need to know what's going on because otherwise you get to the end of the 12 weeks and there's no, there's nothing to deliver to a client. So are you saying that it's better for them to be in the office or do you think it's so just no, no, what they're doing? I think it's about how do you manage, like, right. I have no How do you issue. manage we, performance? Yeah, so you're hybrid anyway, aren't you? Yeah, so, so we're, yeah, we yeah, have, you're really and high. it's interesting, I don't know if this is correct or not, but we actually have <laughs> fixed days. So we come into the office on a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. We remote on a Tuesday and we work half days Friday. So people work from home on a Friday. Um, is fi- I thought my view on fixing days was it's easier to manage your life. Like if I'm having something delivered or I want to book an appointment, like I can mm. do that on a Tuesday and yeah. Friday. There's structure to but it. But actually, like, is that not flexible? Because we're saying like these are the depends, days are in the it office. It depends on the business, I think. And, and people have to make the right decisions for their businesses. Which will be but, different. But some companies, like core days, like you're suggesting where it's because they come together as teams. And yeah. that yeah. might be one day a week. Yeah. You're thinking about a technology company I work for. Every Monday, they all come in and they spend their days in meetings, Together. brainstorming. Yeah. But the rest of the week is entirely up to them how they manage. Some prefer to be in the office. Some yeah. prefer to be at home. Yeah, some need to do right. deep thinking. Whereas some of my other clients have got defined days. So there's crossover with different teams and departments. Mm-hmm. But it, And then others are fully remote. So I think I think it depends what works for your business frankly yeah and we're really we're like really hybrid and we have different people coming in and yeah and it, like but it works for us space. to the point whereas yeah, yeah. with others it doesn't so yeah I, so i think it's continuing that conversation but the employee relationship has shifted yeah kind of covid and post-covid it's changed oh, the way that people want to work yeah the yeah. way that they choose to work yeah, let's be honest talking to the like, competitive environment point it's fundamentally changed mm. and that shift in terms of employees thoughts about their own work-life balance or how they manage it's it's shifted it so we we're still playing catch-up i yeah. think personally mm-hmm. but it and so we have to continue to be creative so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out and what's so you've worked fully remotely for a long time if if you were going to move jobs would you consider a job where someone Got said you were coming to the office three days a week I, I mean i would definitely consider it i mean i think it depends as as highlighted depends on on the context on the industry yeah. on on that travel time commute yeah, time or, yeah. or, there's so many different variables i've definitely seen in the last so if, if i if i think about 2017 to today so let, let's take the last five six years um pre-pandemic the only two tools that i i was using on a on a, on a work basis was skype for business which was awful sorry skype if you're listening <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it was nice. it was pretty pretty Other unstable. Are <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was it was pretty unstable, and no, was, and no yeah. one actually used the or very little people used the the camera facility because it was very unstable. Once you did that, the audio was was pretty terrible, <laughs> and actually it was only really for for few and far between engagements. And if you were presenting something to a client, typically we would use Webex. Mm, yeah. And quite a lot of the time, you wouldn't necessarily always be on camera and the cam- the, mm-hmm. the actual tiles were very small at the top of the screen yep. and you had slides that you were presenting using WebEx mm-hmm. and a dial-in. Now, fast forward to to where we are today, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of different platforms, Teams probably being one of the most common, Zoom, yeah. there's, I mean, the, mm-hmm. and the technology moves so fast in, in those two, yeah. two three-year period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think I said something to you, Sarah. I, I actually feel pressure sometimes to be to be on camera mm. um and you know our diaries when we look at our diaries you know five years ago my diary was never back to back you know i had something and yeah, I, I was in yeah. the office mm. i never had 
cons- four or five consecutive Me calls too. back to back. No, was, no, that was not yeah. something that no, was we had to deal with. Yeah. Now, if you and the reason I'm saying this is, if I went back to the office, and I had back to backs, and I was in an office environment, I don't know how how effective that would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think the back-to-backs probably wouldn't happen because what would happen is someone would find you at a coffee machine, or like you'd be walking down. That's all. Need to have a meeting. Yeah, and I think we've now we've actually <laughs> and that's, formalized that's the, that's some of the, the glue eco- that that's we, the ecosystem you know, that, yeah. that we've we lost if we're working. The yeah. walking around the park or yeah. where you are locally just Catching to have a conversation. change. Yeah, yeah. And you've seen an interaction and going. Yeah. Do you know? What? Okay, I, yeah. There's I, something right, going yeah. on over it. I need yeah, to yeah. jump on that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's um, so. I, yeah, I, I just think so. 2024. So we've done AI change management, kind of the hybrid working. It'd be quite good to come back, wouldn't it? And just have a conversation and just see, yeah, what, see what actually, what actually happened <laughs> at the end of 2024. And then actually do a little bit of a reflection on 2024 and the green shoots that we're seeing and the green shoots that we hope everybody will see across business do actually come to fruition. And mm-hmm. then I'm so intrigued as to what's going to happen with AI. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to come back and have a conversation around that. So That, that can be part three. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, again, great conversation. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Duncan, for no, thank, joining thank us. You. Really appreciate that. Very well.